With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back. This is episode two of the Mainland Podcast. I am Michael Citro. I'm the managing editor and founder of the Mainland. Joining me this week is our senior writer, Austin David. Austin, how are you tonight? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. Great. Well, you know, it's been a month. We're here in the off season. We're not. Uh, we're just getting this podcast going. And um, you know, one of the things we talked about last time uh, when it was Andrew on with me, we talked about the expansion draft and the dispersal draft it's been a long time since then a lot has happened and um you know the roster is really coming together for orlando city and uh, i wanted to get your take first of all on the super draft we just had the super draft um orlando city takes kyle laren number one uconn striker and uh also got a defender connor donovan on uh, the first day and uh, as well as a midfielder slash forward um and uh, to just talk a little bit about the three guys that we got on day one and uh, where you think they'll fit in, because I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure we're going to see them in Louisville most of the year. Yeah, I mean, I kind of absolutely agree with that. Uh, starting off with Kyle Laren, I mean, yeah, he was the uh, he was the number one overall pick. He was the consensus number one overall in pretty much every team's um, you know uh, mock drafts and whatnot. So it wasn't really a surprise that Orlando City went with the best player available. Uh, even Coach Heath said he was the best player. That's why we took him. And, you know, one of the other things that Coach Heath said is, and this kind of goes for, for all the players, you know, they may, they may not be ready by day one, but uh, we're willing to wait for them to come along. And, you know, that can be three or four years down the road, but uh, they're they're willing to wait. And that kind of speaks about not only the three draft picks with Laren Donovan and um, – Akeel Barrett from uh, Barrett, yep. from Tulsa, uh, but like the whole roster, I mean, you know, the average age of the entire Orlando City roster roster is twenty four and a half years old. There's only three guys that are older than thirty years old. That's Lewis Neal, Kaká, and um, who else am I thinking of? Donovan Ricketts. Yes, the old man at thirty eight. Uh, mm-hmm. But those are the only three guys that are older than thirty years old. The rest of them, you know, closer to uh, closer to twenty than thirty. And uh, that speaks a lot about the the way that Adrian Heath and the entire organization has kind of put the roster together, um, really building from from youth and building around that whole central idea, pretty much what they've done since they started in 2011. Uh, but again, going back to Kyle Laren, uh I could possibly see him playing some minutes in you know in Orlando with the senior team. Uh, depending on how his preseason goes and if he really impresses the coaches, because I mean we've we've written a few articles over the last few weeks about the uh, forward depth, 
with Orlando, and uh, it really doesn't, you know, uh, spark the imagination to, by any means. Uh, there's really no forward that really stands out. Even Brian Rochez, you know, he is the, the young DP that Orlando City signed, but, you know, he hasn't proven anything in terms of playing in the MLS or playing in the in the senior uh, senior team with his former club. And, um, you know, not much is known about him. And then the other guys, uh, Martin Patterson, who has yet to be signed uh, or yet to be announced. Uh, there's still some, some workings going on with him. Um, a lot of people were very happy that he was leaving his uh, former club, Huddersfield. And, um, you know, that, that doesn't really speak uh, a lot about, you know, who they're bringing in. But, you know, the coaches have faith in him, so you got to kind of look at that and take it with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's had some good years in the EPL and, and um, in the championship. Uh, obviously, he's had some, some struggles with some injuries and had trouble getting into the first team, and he's been out on loan and that kind of thing. And it'll be interesting to see what uh, Adrian Heath can do with these guys. I know that it seems on the surface we've got some reclamation projects, especially at striker when you look at uh, Danny Mwanga. Absolutely. Um, and, and Patterson, obviously. Uh, but I think that he believes that he can get them going again, and you know maybe it just needs a maybe they just need a new system, a new coach, a new uh, change of scenery to get going. We really don't know what we have in Brian Rochez. I mean, we don't know if we if you know if he should strike fear in the heart of other teams or not because we we really haven't seen him play, and that's a real unknown with some of these guys coming up, these young guys coming up from uh, you know Central and South America. It's um, we just are not. We don't have that exposure to them to know if they're going to be good at this level, and um, you know they've done a lot of scouting, and so far you really can't um, argue with too many of the moves that the club has made over the years. So it's it's kind of a wait and see situation um, at at that position. I think the club is better stocked in the midfield. Um, I'm a little concerned about depth on defense, and there may be another defender signed before the season starts. I know that there's been rumors about that. Um, what's your take on the rest of the roster? I mean, I kind of touched on this a bit before, but uh, essentially it's there's a lot of youth involved. Um, and, you know, mixed in with the veterans, I like how that mixture kind of goes together, especially with Kaká in that uh, attacking midfield position. Um Still that unknown about the the left midfield, if it's going to be Breck Shea or if it's going to be Carlos Rivas, if Breck Shea is going to move back into the defensive uh, third, that's still kind of up in the air. There's rumors about it, but there's a whole month of training camp to try and figure that out and see, you know, who fits the bill for, you know, which uh, which position and who who's the best fit for that. But, um, you know, it it's certainly for a first-year team in MLS um, – you know, compared to New York City, I think we would have the uh, the upper hand in that situation. Uh, n- you know, that's not anything against like their whole Lampard situation because that's been just a mess. But you know, Orlando has the um, the upper hand of being you know existing for the past three years and kind of getting to know um, what they can do as a club. And um, you know, getting a feel for how how the uh, the whole system works, whether you know, in comparison to New York City, who's just kind of thrown into the fire and expected to try and figure it out in the first year. So you know, that that's that's what Orlando City has going for them. And 
you know, the, I mean, you can't you can't complain about the roster as of right now. Mm-hmm. And I really like the spine of the team. I mean, I think the team down the middle is very strong. It's very uh, built, very sturdy. You've got Kaká obviously at the ten, and um, you know you've got Amobia Kugo, uh, defensive midfielder. You got Aurelian Collin at defense, and you know the goalie of the of the future, Tally Hall. Uh, when he gets healthy, and for now, uh, a multi-time MLS All-Star, Donovan Ricketts, holding uh, holding down the four back there. So you got to feel strong about the middle of the club, uh, and then, and really, you know, a good club is built down the middle. A, a strong team down the middle can get away with a few mistakes here and there on the outside. Yeah, and uh, you have Amobi Akugo in that defensive midfield position, uh, possibly Darwin Starin starting. Uh, there's there's some rumors about some of the other guys possibly being on that other side of uh, Hugo, possibly Higita, the new guy coming in from Colombia, um, possibly Estrella. I don't think he's quite ready for that responsibility just yet, but he's he's definitely a good prospect. And uh, you know, and then you have the two center backs, uh, Aurelian Collin, who's a veteran of MLS now, um, mm-hmm. won a championship with uh, Sporting Kansas City, won a uh, you know All Star MVP when he was there, and he's definitely... MLS Cup MVP. That's what it was, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's definitely a, a good person to have in the in the defensive uh, in the defensive third. And then you have uh, a kind of unknown um, guy in Gustavo. Still not really sure how he's going to work out just because of his track record with other teams. I think he was on loan eight times since 2009 with you know, eight different clubs, um, so that that's that kind of raises some eyebrows to me, uh, but again, you, you, in those situations, you kind of have to go with the coaches and say, well, if they have faith in them, you know, we should have faith in them until we see otherwise. Right, and I think the thing about Gustavo, I love his uh, nickname, the Fridge, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the thing about him is that, uh, you know, Adrian Heath wants somebody that's going to make opposing forwards and midfielders think about his presence in the box. Um, they're going to have to be aware of him. He's um, he's a very physical player. You know, from watching his tapes, he's a very physical, very, uh, uh, I guess, unafraid to go in and, and make contact with people. So you're going to have to have your head on a swivel, and, and I think that's something that Adrian Heath wants, uh, you know, guys to worry about. I mean, if you got a Robbie Keane running through your box, you're going to want him thinking about, you know, anything but the goal, right? Yeah, you're absolutely. Thinking about, where's this Gustavo guy? What's he going to do? Uh, so that could be an interesting, uh, you know, could be an interesting fit. I mean, obviously, the coaches do their scouting, and Adrian Heath goes and gets players that he thinks will fit in his system, and, and I think... Um, like you said, I mean, his track record's very good, so it's it's not our job to question it at this point. We just have to wait and see how it works out. Now, if it doesn't work out, then then we can start to criticize a little bit. But um, as of right now, it's just it's all about excitement and it's all about you know getting ready in the anticipation of that that first uh, season in MLS. Um, we got a couple of questions on Twitter that I want to get to and ties into what we've been talking about really. Um, you mentioned the opening day against New York City FC, and Christopher Solar on uh, Twitter wants to know if opening day was tomorrow, Austin, who wins and what's the score? Hmm, that's an interesting one. Uh, mainly because we don't know who's starting where at this point. 
Um, but looking right. at looking and we don't know that much too. We we also don't know that much about New York City FC's uh, lineup at this point. That's true. Uh, I mean, we know some of the big name players that they have. Obviously, right. Lampard's not going to be there when we play them. David Villa will be there. Mix Discarude mm-hmm. will be there. Um, and that's really all we know about them. Uh, you know, but just kind of looking at both sides and how their preseasons have gone, and, you know, obviously they still have the whole training camp to go. But I would say Orlando City wins 2-1, Kaká scoring one of the goals, and Aurelian Colin getting the second Wow, you're going out there and saying a defender's going to get that second goal. I got a, I got a um, feeling off, off a corner he's going to get a header. I also like the 2-1 scoreline in Orlando City's favor. I mean, in this way way too early prediction. <laughs> and I'm going to say I'm going to go I'm going to say that yeah, Kaká gets one and Kaká sets one up and the first goal scored in Orlando City's MLS history will be scored by Kevin Molino. I like that one too. That that yeah. if it's not Kaká, I I would go with Kevin Molino just because of him being there since 2011, uh, one of the longest tenure players with Orlando City, other than uh, Luke Bowden. You know he's a fan favorite at this point, so a, that's a, oh, that's a good a pick. Score. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, and he also Christopher also wants to know uh, who will be the leading scorer this year for Orlando City. Well, I don't think it's going to be Kaká for various reasons. Um, just to just to kind of put it out there, he is you know 32 years old. His game has changed since you know he won the Ballon d'Or back in uh, 2007. Uh, he's more of a setup guy rather than a scorer. He still has that right. ability to score. Um, you know he he has a very good you know brain and a quick first step in in terms of uh, you know beating guys off the dribble uh, who aren't necessarily as experienced as he is. Um, but I think he he'll have more assists than goals. Uh, but in terms of who leads the team in goals, um, I'd have to say Kevin Molino, just because out of, out of all the forwards and, and midfielders that we have, uh, Kevin Molino is really, he's proved that he has the ability to score over this past season. Uh, and you know, I haven't obviously seen any of that from any of the other forwards. So at, the, at this point in the, in the preseason, I'd have to go with Kevin Molino. Yeah, Kevin Molino is the he's my pick as well and it's because he's right now he's on fire. I mean, not just for the club and yes, he played USL Pro, but he has also been on fire in the international scene. When he went to Caribbean Cup, he was scoring left and right and they were he's the kind of player that he they rested him against weak teams because they knew, you know, they didn't need his services, but when they they call on him, he's delivered, he's confident. He's used to Adrian Heath's system. And I think he'll be the guy that slips in and 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 makes a lot of goals this year. And I th- I agree with you about Kaká. He's he's playing deeper now. He's not going to score the goals so much as set them up. And I think the forwards are going to rotate for a little while until they get a striker that they like. And and I think that's going to probably keep the striker goal totals down across the board. And uh, there won't be like one guy that sticks out way above the others for a while. But I, I think Kevin Molino leads the team in scoring in the first year. Yeah, and you look at. Adrian Heath's kind of overall strategy, Orlando City's never really had a target forward. And, you know, looking at this MLS roster, it kind of goes along with that 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 process. You know, obviously, uh, Dennis Chin was there. Um, mm-hmm. you, know, you go back to Matt Luzanaris back in 2012. Um, and, uh, you know, even back when they first started in 2011. 
there there really wasn't someone that they would rely on for goals as a striker. Um, they'd always have a, a, a very solid midfield. So right. to think that you know Kevin Molina would be the leading goal scorer isn't really a stretch. Yeah, and I think that Kevin Molino is going to surprise a lot of people around MLS who question whether he can do it at that level. I mean, um, you know, at the USL Pro level, he was every bit as dominating as as a guy like Dom Dwyer. And look what Dom Dwyer's done in MLS. So I, I think Kevin Molino could certainly do it at that level and has had some opportunities to go to MLS, but he, you know, he stayed loyal to the club knowing that the club was going to move up. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk about... Um you talk about Dom Dwyer and the, the kind of process he went through with Orlando City and his growth with the team and where he is now. And you know, looking at the, the forwards that Orlando City has going into MLS, you kind of hope that this would be a similar situation where these guys come in, uh, really haven't proven themselves yet, and then Adrian Heath gives, he gives them that opportunity and uh, they take full advantage of it. We have a question also from a, a Thomas Solar, and I, I'm guessing brothers, <laughs> uh, siblings of some sort, maybe. I don't know, maybe it's just a coincidence. But um, uh, Thomas wants to know, uh, what's your opening day 11? And who's our mainly, I guess manly is a pun, I guess, uh, opening day striker, since we got lots to choose from now. So, uh you know, I don't think we know everybody's going to be starting 11 because I think there are guys that aren't signed yet that are going to be in this 11 probably. But what what is your – if you were to choose from the guys on the team now, who's your starting 11? All right, starting with goal, I mean, it's obviously Donovan Ricketts at this point. Um, I think Orlando City has four goalies on roster. Uh, Tally Hall's injured. Josh Ford mm-hmm. hasn't played an MLS game ever in the past three years. And um, – their newest guy that they drafted, I believe his name... Earl Edwards Jr. There we go. From UCLA. Yeah, and um, I don't know if he'll even make the roster at the end of the day. Um, but it's it's got to be Donovan Ricketts just because of all those things. Uh, Agreed. Then the defense, um, I think, obviously, uh, Aurelian Collin and Gustavo, I think those were kind of givens now that he, Pierce, has not signed with the club. And that's kind of a big blow. They're going to, as you said before, look for some depth, um, you know, along that back line. Mm-hmm. Then on the right side, it's going to be Tyler Turner, uh, just because Rafael Ramos hasn't had enough experience playing with the club. And, you know, he's still a bit younger. Uh, they're both on the under-20 national teams for their respective countries, with uh, Turner being with the U.S. and Ramos being Portugal. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, you know, Turner has proven himself to coach Adrian Heath uh, since last season and, and proved that he is a capable starter for him. And then on the left side, as much as I want to say Luke Bowden, I kind of have to go with Breck Shea because of the Carlos Rivas situation. Uh, from what I've been hearing about Rivas, he was highly touted out of Europe. Uh, a lot of clubs were trying to look for him uh, to come from Colombia to them. And, um, you know, somehow Orlando kind of swayed him a bit and mm-hmm. you know if, if they're if if he's such a good signing as from what i've heard um it kind of makes sense to try and start him and you know even when when breck shea was signed uh adrian heath even said he might be starting in the de- in the defense you know we'll have to see who we sign and what happens with that so mm-hmm. it's definitely it makes sense for breck shea to start on 
you know, as the left back to begin the season. And then I already talked about Rivas starting on the left mid. Uh, you know, center attacking mid is obviously Kaká. Uh, right attacking mid is Kevin Molino. And as striker, I would have to say Brian Rochez because of the fact that they signed him to a DP contract. And if they didn't have enough faith in him, they probably wouldn't have done that. So that would be my starting 11. Yeah, I don't have too much to argue with there. So let's talk about uh, today on ESPN FC um, program, uh, you know, about soccer, obviously. They talked a little bit about Orlando City, had Kaká on. You were watching it. I was actually driving home from work. Uh, they had some strong words about Orlando City, I understand. Yeah, well, after uh, after they got done interviewing uh, Kaká and asking him, you know, who his favorite player is and who his favorite player uh, was to play with and against, it was uh, Ronaldo to play with and uh, Zinedine Zidane to play against. And so, you know, after the, the interview was all said and done, um, one of the ESPN FC guys, uh, Steve Nichol, uh, they asked him about uh, Orlando City's playoff chances. And, the, you know, he basically came out and said it's not going to happen, and they're stupid to think about it like that. Uh, just he, And he, he kind of cited the whole none of their guys have really played in the MLS. They don't know the the whole the whole system, the way everything works in the MLS. And so to think that they're going to make the playoffs is silly. Um, but he did have some very, you know, high praise for Kaká. Um, you know, he said he's going to thrive in MLS. You know, his his brain and the way it works with the passing and knowing where people are going to be, uh, it's it's ten times above where some of the players are right now. So, you know, that's, that's always a, a good sign to hear that, you know, they don't think he's he's, you know, just going there as as a retirement ploy, and you know they right, they still think right mm-hmm. they still think he's going to be effective, and uh, you know even more so that he's going to thrive in MLS. Yeah, you know it's you look at the history of expansion clubs in the M, in MLS, and you say, you know, it's a long shot. It's it's you know you got a lot of of things that need to come together to make the playoffs. Not very many teams do it. But you also have to realize that a lot of teams don't have a core of players that came from a previous team, like one team. Usually it's, you know, they're they're assembling a team from scratch like New York City FC is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's something in Orlando City's favor. We don't know yet how, or, how Orlando's coach, Adrian Heath, is going to adjust to the league. We do know that there's experience on the bench in Mark Watson, who has been a, a head coach in the league. Uh, assistant coach for Orlando City, um, so we th- we think that they'll be okay in, in the coaching department. Uh, I'm not too worried about the team as far as I, I I mean there are a number of MLS players on the club and some very good MLS players on the club MLS All Stars. Uh, so it's really up to them to to take the younger guys under their wing and and teach them how to be professionals in this league. And I don't think that it will take that long for some of those guys. I mentioned Kevin Molino. I think he's certainly ready for MLS. Um, you know, Lewis Neal has played in MLS. Donovan Ricketts, Aurelian Collin, Amobi Akugo. Uh, Kaká has played at higher levels than the MLS. He'll, he'll obviously be fine. Breck Shea will be fine. So, there's, you know, you look around the roster, and there are not that many places in the roster where that's a problem. So, I, I, can, I can see his argument. But, uh, you know, this club has, from day one, defied expectations, and that's their motto. <laughs> and uh, I think that um, it's realistic to believe this team can make the playoffs, especially 
since the playoffs are expanded this year. It's very true, and um, you know some of the more tougher teams have left the uh, the Eastern Conference. Uh, obviously, Sporting Kansas City has gone to the West now, but then you have mm-hmm. Toronto bringing in Josie Altador and uh, Sebastian Giovinco, uh, so they have a very dangerous attacking third now, and mm-hmm. uh, you know they had high expectations last year, and they didn't uh, they didn't seem to uh, those come to fruition. So we'll we'll see about this year, but I have high hopes for Orlando. You know, in the Eastern Conference, uh, if they can get everything together and start building that chemistry right away into training camp, I think they'll have a good shot. And you look too at Orlando's setup. I mean, it's a long, it's a long travel for teams to come into Orlando. There are no real close teams, and uh, you know, you're going to see some teams. I think in the Citrus Bowl wilt in middle sun, you know, in the middle of summer when it's just unbelievably hot and humid here. And they're not used to it. I mean, we've seen that in Houston to some degree. We've seen teams go to Houston that are much better than the Dynamo and lose there. So I think that that same thing could happen to Orlando. Orlando's uh, Citrus Bowl could become a fortress this year. Yeah, there's also that aspect of the artificial turf that they're going to be playing on. And right. uh, with the sun and the artificial turf mixed together, it, it, it can get pretty hot there. So uh, not only that, but it's going to be hard for some players with, uh, you know, some of the older players with their knees not being able to... Uh, to plant well on that artificial turf, it's not really the best situation for them. So it's definitely going to be uh, interesting, to say the least, to, to see how some players, especially Orlando players, uh, deal with those adversities. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I know a lot of people around the country think, well, it's hot here too, you know, but if you're not used to Florida, you know, when the sun goes down, it doesn't. there's not relief. Right. There's not relief from that. It's still unless hot. It, unless it's it still rains. Humid. Unless it rains. Yeah, and then you kind of get a, like a little reprieve for about 20 minutes, and then it becomes a steam bath. There you go. <laughs> uh, and every pore in your body opens, and you sweat profusely. Uh, it'll be it'll be really cool to see how this uh, first season unfolds. And uh, you know, I'm not gonna we're not gonna make any predictions at this point. We want to see how the the lineup shakes out. And obviously, there are many variables over the course of a season: injuries and, and to key players and things like that. But as we go along. Um, we're going to learn a lot more about this Orlando City team than we know right now and uh, get a better feel for the team. We'll know more in a few weeks. Next week, the end of next week, Orlando City will be uh, reportedly going to Bradenton for a friendly against D.C. United over at the IMG Academy. So uh, that hasn't been formally announced, but we, uh, we don't doubt Stephen Goff of the Washington Post. He's a very, very credible writer and uh Obviously has the ins with uh, D.C. United and must know their schedule pretty well. So uh, if they do that, I'm sure we'll have somebody over there to, to check that game out. And that will be probably a mess, I'm guessing, for Orlando City. They will have only been training together for a week while D.C. United is the defending Eastern Conference regular season champions. So um, I'm guessing that one won't necessarily be um, what we should expect during the regular season. What do you think about that? Yeah, I have to agree with you. I mean, you know, these guys will not have any kind of chemistry working for them, really. Um, you know, it's just kind of a, a way to get out there, uh, get a good run-in against someone other than themselves, uh, which is which is kind of important. You know, you don't want to just keep playing yourselves. And that's why, you know, Orlando City over the past few years, even with USL Pro, has scheduled a lot of uh, college friendlies, you know, just to get uh, some practice against other teams, you know, you had the the local college teams. I don't know if they're going to try and do anything like that this year, but 
you know, it might be fun to see uh, see them play UCF and Rollins again, maybe even South Florida, uh, and because they have some some uh, you know friendlies that they have that they've been talking about uh, that are going to be closed off to the public, and then one that's going to be open to the public, but they haven't really released any details about that. Yeah, and I would imagine that would be the case, local college teams and that kind of thing. And I know at some point they talked about doing a friendly against uh, Louisville City, hmm. uh, the USL Pro affiliate, but they, Louisville's not very far down the road in building their roster yet either. So uh, if that happens, it'll probably be right on the the you know the doorstep of the season, probably just like a week before the season starts, something like that. And that one would be open to the public, and and you know people would be encouraged to go see that. So. Um, you know, it's, it's January. We've got a couple of months to go here. We're, you know, I think we're around what, 46, 47 days till the season starts and, um, it's time to get excited and, uh, we've got a special guest coming up, stick around and, uh, we're going to talk to Jamie Chin of the Orlando city front office. All right, joining us now uh, tonight on the Mainland Podcast is Orlando City SC Communications Coordinator, Jamie Chen. Jamie, thanks for being with us on the podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. Jamie, I wanted to first of all ask you about this uh, cr- this crazy transition between USL Pro and the, the club going to MLS and all the stuff that you guys have had to do. Um, are you getting any sleep at all? Uh, not too much, especially this week in particular. Obviously, we've had a long off season since finishing the USL Pro season in August, and uh, it's been a lot of preparation, a lot of hard work, both on and off the field. And today was kind of just a great feeling to see that you know everything felt real, like it's arrived. You know, the teams arrived, the season's on its way, and um, today was just a great indication of all the great things that are to come. Right, and it's uh, for those listening uh, at home. This is uh, being recorded the evening of media day, so it was a big day for Orlando City. Uh, you know, I think everything went pretty well today, Jamie. Why don't you uh, tell us from your, from your perspective uh, what time did your day begin, and tell us a little bit of behind the scenes stuff of what you had to go through to to get today together. Yeah, so obviously um, there's a lot of preparation that leads up to such a big day like today. So it didn't just start with today. I'd say it started probably last uh, sometime last week. And earlier this week we've done a lot of interviews just leading up to it um, <clears throat> to build up the hype for media day and just kind of promote the season coming up and that the players are arriving in market. So today was kind of the culmination of all that preparation. Um, I'd say we were up fairly early today. We went by to the hotel the high place uh, Lake Mary where we held the press conference and all the, the media round robin. So we got there about 8 o'clock this morning um, just to scope out the site and make sure everything was okay. Um, and then our marketing operations team, they swung, swung by shortly afterwards to get everything set up um, while we went over to the training site to meet the, the media that were there. We had, I think, about 70 to 80 media members, which you guys can testify to since um, you were there, and it was just a fantastic turnaround. I mean, I think that just really shows the buzz that's here in the city for Orlando City. So um, that was a great sign, and um, it was just good to see the players finally in town and, and to see them on the grass and, and training for the first time. So, Jamie, uh, you know, obviously, you know, the big signing, um, you know, over the, the culmination of preparing for MLS has been Kaká. Um, you know, what was it like, by your standpoint, to, to see him 
wearing a you know Orlando City training jersey and being out there with the guys. Yeah, I mean today was today was somewhat of an emotional day, right? I've I've been with the club now for almost three years, so to just be in the same presence as someone as big as Kaká was kind of surreal, you know. It, it felt it felt that way when we first signed him in July, but to actually see him in purple and out of our training facility and all that good stuff was was an incredible feeling. So I, I'm sure there's a lot of others in the organization that felt that way, especially Phil and Adrian, who have been you know pursuing this dream for a long time now. So. Yeah, it was a great feeling. Now, you talked about the uh, the training facility, the new one over at Sylvan Lake. Um, talk about how, you know, how, you know your overall uh, opinion of, of the new site and, you know, how it differs from the old one. Yeah, I mean, I think the term that, that we used to describe it was, was major league, right? Sylvan Lake felt very major league. The setup, everything there just felt big time, you know, with the with the whole setup, the grass, I think, was the first thing that caught our eye. It looked like carpet. I mean, I wanted to just lay down and fall asleep on it. It looked so nice. But, um, yeah, it, it just gives you that big time feel. And, you know, obviously when you're jumping into MLS, you have to have top-notch facilities, right? And, um, you, unfortunately, you guys didn't get to see the, the locker room and all that good stuff. But there's a good setup in there as well. They've got the physio section. They've got player lounges, cafeterias. Um, the coaches' offices are all based down there now, so um, things are starting to fall into place. Um, so it's just the start. I know there's more long-term plans with the club to maybe expand on that, um, but for now, I think I think it's a great start. Um, and, and when you talk to most of the players, they're all really satisfied and happy with the facilities. I think they all felt that it was it was up to par to what a lot to what a lot of them are used to, especially some of these guys coming, you know, from other MLS teams, and even Kaká, who's played for Real Madrid. AC Milan, Sao Paulo, big clubs all around the world. Um, I didn't really hear any any complaints about it, so I think everyone was was really satisfied with the facilities. That's great. Uh, speaking of facilities, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the Citrus Bowl. Um, obviously, we're we're going to be on artificial turf for a year in the Citrus Bowl. How is the Citrus Bowl itself coming along and in preparation, and and what else remains to be done between now and March eighth? I, I mean, I'm I'm almost certain that the Citrus Bowl is 100% complete. They've they've had bowl games there and, and et cetera. So we first visited the site in November. It was I think 80% finished, but it was game ready. I think uh, by the time we take off March 8th, it'll be 100% complete, and I don't think there's much work left to do there. So. Great, that's uh, that's pretty awesome to hear. I, I did want to ask you about the the draft a little bit because that's a always an interesting um, event. Uh, having been a PR person for a professional sports team myself, I know um, it can be a pretty hectic day. But it actually got a little bit easier for you, I think, in that most of the players that Orlando City drafted weren't there. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your experience there. Yeah, so from a PR standpoint, that, that kind of made things a little difficult that, you know, several of the players that we drafted weren't there. But I think there was still an overall buzz just about Orlando City in general having the number one pick, right? Like, you know, it's a, it's a lot more special when you have the number one pick, all eyes are on you, kind of what are you going to do? Are you going to trade? Are you going to keep the pick? Who are you going to take? There's just all this speculation surrounding your organization leading up to it. So from a PR perspective, it's fantastic because – the exposure that we get um, nationally and locally and somewhat internationally based on the players that, you know, are linked to us in the draft is, is incredible. But from a business side of things, um, a, a lot of what gets unmentioned is that we had PR meetings. We had departmental meetings up in Philadelphia as well before the Super Draft. And 
the buzz from other teams about Orlando City within those meetings was unbelievable. I mean, everyone is pretty much for the most part aware of what we're doing, and they're very impressed um, for what we what we've done leading up to this point. You know, and one thing that I'm, I'm interested in is the lead up to the preseason games. What do you specifically have to on your plate that you need to get done between now and the first uh, scrimmage or you know uh, friendly? I think I think a lot of the biggest things that we need to get done are just the actual um, PR match day operations, going through the process of you know opening the credential application, um, just finalizing how we're going to operate during the match day. Obviously, a lot of that won't matter in preseason because we won't be playing at home as much, but I think it's still good to start hammering a lot of that stuff down now because, as we've seen recently, time just flies by really quickly. So I think we need to get a head start on that. But um, I, I really think that's the biggest thing. So from a PR standpoint, we'll have, we'll have a lot of events and stuff going on, going, going on to just kind of build up the hype about March 8th and um, the season coming up. I think we put out a press release earlier today that just kind of highlighted the things that we'll have going on that first week in March leading up to the first game. So we'll have open practices, tailgate events, pub crawls, um, just a soccer in the city, uh, community relations and foundation events that we host every year. That's usually a big hit. So there's a lot of things coming up, and we'll be pushing a lot on social media, um, through press releases, media alerts, all that good stuff to keep everyone informed. Cool. Now, um Jamie, you said you you know you've been with the club for, for almost three years now. Um, you know, being in the USL Pro, uh, now that you're making the jump to MLS, have you kind of talked to other people who have had your job with other teams just to kind of figure out what what to expect when everything starts up? Yeah, I mean, we we did a lot of that before we were even an MLS team. We spoke with a lot of other PR departments, particularly Sporting Kansas City, because we had an affiliation with them, and I think that helped us run as a mini MLS club before we even announced. But particularly most recently, when we went up to the Super Draft and we had those meetings, it was a great opportunity to finally finally put a lot of faces to emails, meet a lot of these other PR directors, find out um, what works best for them, what doesn't work best for them, bounce ideas off of them, and... Um, just get feedback in general. I think it was very, it was very helpful for us. Um, and one of the things that helped reaffirm is that we're not far off. It's not up to, if not better than a lot of um, some of these MLS clubs PR departments. I think we've, because we've always operated at a higher level, regardless if we were in USL Pro or not, we're a lot more prepared than your normal expansion club. So I think it just kind of reaffirmed that a lot of things we're doing are the right things. And you know, obviously there's always things you can work on, but I think just just having those meetings was was a good a good thing for us overall to just kind of confirm that hey we're doing the right things we're on the right track and um, just to stick with it I guess. Jamie, what are you hearing about the uh, Carolina Challenge Cup and um, the Orlando City contingent that is uh, going to go up and and see that? Are you hearing uh, a lot of people going up and excited about it to see the preseason games? Yeah, I mean obviously everything you see on social media indicates that we'll have. A, uh, a large following up there. I mean, even if I didn't see anything on social media, I'd still be very confident that we'd have a big turnout. Our fans traveled when we played in USL Pro, so I have no doubt that they'll they'll travel to see our first preseason games in MLS. Obviously, the big the big headline for the Carolina Challenge Cup is that we're playing New York City for the first time, who naturally are our rivals because they're coming in the same year as us, and they have David Dia and some other big players. So, um, yeah, I'd expect that we'd have a big turnout of purple up there. All right. Well, uh, you know, Jamie, before we let you go, I just want to ask one last question. I know 
Our fans at home will probably recognize your last name because it's the same last name as Dennis Chin's last name. And uh wanted to just find out if uh if Chinny's you know, what Chinny's up to these days and uh where we might expect to see him land. I'm actually sitting in the car with him right now. It's funny you should ask. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's doing well, you know, he's uh he's been training in the off season, he's got a few things lined up, so at this point it's just a matter of deciding where he wants to go and what's what he wants to do, but you know, he's fine. Obviously he spent a long time in Orlando City, it's his hometown, we always you know, have a special meeting for him, but you know, he's he's on to a new chapter now, so it's just deciding where he wants to go next. Sounds good. Are, is he looking like USL Pro? Is he looking overseas? Is, is it a you know combination of things? Yeah, I mean, you know, USL and NASL will always be an option, but I think he's, he's definitely trying to play at a higher level. The thing is, he's, he won a lot of things here with Orlando and the USL Pro, so there's not really much left for him to accomplish at the USL level, so... I think he's trying to play in a higher division, whether that be overseas or in stateside. That's uh, still to be determined, but um, we should know relatively soon, hopefully. Sounds great. Well, Jamie, thanks so much uh, for being with us. Jamie Chin, the communications coordinator for Orlando City SC. We really appreciate you being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Always a pleasure. And that is going to do it for Episode 2 of the Mainland Podcast. We want to thank our special guest, Jamie Chin, the uh, communications coordinator for Orlando City SC. Thanks, uh, Jamie, for being on the show. And uh, we'll be back in February with a brand new podcast. And uh, we should be on iTunes after episode three, I think is the way it works. But for now, we're on Blog Talk Radio, and you can always download us on our site. Uh, But uh, we'll see you in February. Uh, Until then, I am Michael Citro. And I am Austin David. And we'll see you next time.